Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fresh off the heels of a 93-80 win, the Boston Celtics are up 3-2 in the Eastern Conference Finals. What in the world went down in South Beach in the second half? Who knows, but we're going to get into it right here on Keep It at 94. We are also going to get into what happens in the Western Conference Finals. Warriors chance to close it out against the Dallas Mavericks in the Bay. We'll see what happens. Who knows, by the time this podcast is listened to, it could be either them in the finals or we could see the series extended go back to Dallas after the Mavs avoided a sweep uh, with a big-time performance uh, from behind the arc as a squad. So we're going to get into the conference finals. We know what the draft order is now, NBA draft coming up here in less than a month. Can you believe it? It's crazy, but it is around the corner. The combine wrapped up in Chicago as uh, we get into the pre-draft process now, which means we're also heading towards the offseason, and we're going to get into all of that. I know, that's a mouthful. Got to get it all out of the way before Brian goes to see Top Gun Maverick, of course, in theaters on the day it comes out. We are recording this on a Thursday afternoon. It's Keep It at 94, like I said earlier. Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz, another episode brought to you by thebasketballnews.com podcast network and of course the official ticket marketplace of basketballnews.com ticket smarter so brian uh i don't know where we're starting but i know you're excited to see tom cruise back in action there's a special place that everybody needs to visit there's only so many times that you can go and the first time is the best and that place i'm talking about is the danger zone top gun maverick i'm ready You've got to be extremely ready. I was just telling him before we started recording this that it's wild how in between sequels this is. 36 years. Like, I feel like that has to be a record, no? Uh, I'd really have to think about it. 1986, dude. 1986. It is now 2022. Let me that date myself wild. to you, young Spencer, because once again, here's a Tales from the Old Man story here. <laughs> Um, back in the year 1986, I was 13. And at that time I had a big choice to make because there was not just one, but two movies coming out that weekend. One was Top Gun with Tom Cruise. The other was the Karate Kid Part 2. Holy shit. Which movie <laughs> did I go see that Friday? You know, I'm going to stick with Top Gun, but, you know, who knows? I, I could be off base here. 
I saw Karate Kid Part 2, and the following week I saw Top Gun. And the second I saw it, I go, I had no problems with Karate Kid, but I made a bad choice because Top Gun was epic. Epic. It really was. And, uh, you know, I I totally expect the sequel to be just as cheesy as the first one, to have some fun moments. Um, And this one is supposed to be shot spectacularly with what they could do now with cameras and planes and uh, shooting everything up in the skies. Tom Cruise calls this his uh, ode to aviation. So um, I'm going to have a wonderful night of watching Top Gun Maverick and coming home and then watching game five of the Western Conference Finals. How fun. How fun that will be. Unless, who knows, you know, the Warriors-Mavs series hasn't exactly been a close one uh, besides maybe game two uh, was, I guess, a, a game you could call that was, you know, competitive. Neither conference um, but, finals have really been but, close. I mean, you know, before we get into either one specifically, yeah. I mean, we can talk about that. I I posed a question on my Twitter earlier last week. What makes a good series to you? Is it close in the number? Is it close? Like if it goes seven seven games, does that make a good series? Or does close games? Because I think that there are series that are out there that go four or five games. Game, You know, series that where there's sweeps that are more competitive than some seven-games or some six-game series. Would you agree with that? What makes a good series in your eyes? I think close games. And and you, obviously, you'd love for it to go to six or even that dramatic seventh game, but I think close games that are really competitive with a high level of play. And I think a great example of that is the first round when we saw the Celtics sweep the Nets. Because That's those exactly games exactly what I want is thinking about. They were really, really close games. They're very competitive. But, you know, when you talk about the Eastern Conference Finals so far, every game has been won by double digits. Uh, Game five, which was on Wednesday night, that one was close at least for the first half and actually through mm, about two and a half half, quarters. Yeah, two and a half quarters. Yeah, you know, I mean, and and I know we'll get into that game and the runs that the Celtics went on that second half, but, you know, once that happened, it blew the game open and you could tell Miami wasn't going to be able to recover, but we've seen that in these games. And And the weird thing is, too, that when the Heat have gone on their big quarters, all the other quarters, they've either narrowly lost or narrowly won. So it's less like the Celtics dominate. If you look at, you know, hey, we won three of the four quarters, but the Heat won the one quarter by so big of a margin, it was a blowout win, or it only got close at the end. So it's been kind of a weird series, you know, in the East. And in the West, at least, it's like whoever can hit their threes on a given night, and it's mostly been the Warriors. They're the ones My that are winning games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that I mean, again, like before getting into like both series, I'm, I'm trying to put my finger on why it's gone this way. Uh, I figured the Boston Miami series would be just like the game on Wednesday. You know, tough, gritty, defensive. Uh, One team pulls away because they're making their shots and, you know, getting into the paint. Uh, Warriors-Mavs is, like, the complete opposite. Well, I guess, like, Dallas in Game 4 was finally able to generate good threes because they were getting into the paint. But otherwise, sometimes they were just throwing it around and just chucking. And it sounds so simplistic, but it's true. But it's two different styles of ball, too, because in the it West, it's more about pace and shooting. And in the Yeah, but East, the Mavs play such a just a slow they half do. Court game when Luca's in, I should say. Right, when when Luca's in. in. When Luca's out, Dinwiddie and Brunson get that thing going. Right. 
And in the East, you know, we expect these slower physical, you know, drag them out, mm-hmm. you know, games. But the thing is too, that it stands out more in the East than it does in the West is these are games of attrition because they're not always the most offensively talented teams, especially when it comes to the heat and because of the injuries. How many times do we go into a game going, okay, is so-and-so going to play? Like, we get an update that day. Okay, is Robert Holy Williams going to play? Man. Is Marcus Smart going to play? Is Derek White going to play? Tyler okay, Hero. We're going to find Horford. out right before the game. You know, you know, all these, you know, we find out, okay, they're going to give it a go. They're going to try. Yep. Like, like, we'll get into this, too, but Kyle Lowry has played the last three games, and I really question if he should be in the lineup because he, he is be. a non-factor right now, and he's yeah. probably hurting his team. Yeah, no, shouldn't be. But, again, We'll get into that, but I just wanted to kind of get your opinion before we do get into Boston, Miami. Reasoning for this blowout is it because of the shot selection, or is it fatigue for the last two and a half, three seasons that have been kind of jam packed? Everybody's talking about how there's one day in between only in the conference finals. It didn't used to be that way. But playing devil's advocate, like my friend Bob says, the NHL's been doing the same shit. I mean, if the NHL's doing the same stuff and they're not complaining about the time in between and the travel or anything like that, then why is the NBA complaining about it? Why are executives and uh, ownership and, in some cases, players, um, you know, having a gripe with it if the NHL players aren't saying a damn thing about it? You know, like, that yeah. that's my question. Well, it's a little what, bit different. What is I mean, the difference? The seasons are just so compressed together, and there hasn't been that much time off. I think players Correct. get used to the yes. time off. But going from, you know, they had the gap, then the bubble. And then they immediately went into a season that was Mm -hmm. shortened. And then you immediately went to the playoffs and then you still didn't have that regular, you know, off season that you would have. So I think, I think all of that being compressed um, has had a factor in it. I mean, case in point, look at, look at Jimmy Butler right now. Oh, Jimmy sucks. Jimmy, Jimmy looks like he lost his legs in the middle of game four. I want to say two really. Yeah. I would say game two is when they went. Yeah. His, his legs are gone. So, I mean, I think I think that is definitely a, a part of it right there. And then the other part is, too, um, especially in the East, where it's been a little bit more of a slog. It's just, like I said, I don't think those two teams are the most offensively gifted unless they're really hitting their threes. I think Boston's a better offensive team, and it showed because when we went into this, we went into the playoffs, and we were even talking about this a couple of rounds ago, the Miami is so dependent on Tyler Hero, of all people, of Tyler Hero, oh, yeah. who had a great bounce-back season. But when he's not out there, and if he's not generating some offense for them just to go on these runs to help cover them. They dribble penetration. Then, then they, they are screwed. And we have seen this now in two-game straight, especially in game five, where no Tyler Hero, and, man, they paid a price. You know how they make up for it, honestly, is, is, is Victor Oladipo and Caleb Martin. And Caleb Martin had a sensational game five. Uh, I would advise them to play him more i would advise them to play more gabe vincent gabe vincent's probably been one of the most consistent role players they've had this series i would make the argument that gabe vincent needs to start and cal lowry should not play i would say should not play or be very limited yes i would agree i would agree with that um but do you have an answer for me though on that hl question because i think it's just a little bit of everything in hockey i I, you know yeah i mean i i just it's very physical sport they had is. basically the same exact schedule, even with the, you know, the bubble. They had their own yeah. bubble. I mean, hockey, you can, I mean, when you talk about the physicality, I mean, I think they're both very physical. I mean, especially mm-hmm. when you get to the playoffs, because how many times do we see players in the NBA, you know, 
falling on the floor and everything and sure. just everything that goes into that. Um, players in the NBA are playing more minutes. I mean, sure. and you're not sure. You're not, yes. You know, that's, a, line, that's a really good point. You're yeah. not having the, the line this changes. I'm trying to get to the bottom of. Yeah. Because like, think... he asked me that and I was like, I can't really think of an answer right now. Right. And I don't think it's just one thing. I think it's a confluence of a bunch of things that are happening. And, and too, sometimes in the NBA, you, maybe you've got some older players. Uh, this is happening to a little bit more. Um, I mean, but I mean, there, there's plenty of guys that are playing in their mid thirties or older in the NHL too. So I, I'm, I think it's, it's a valid question. I, I think it's yeah. a great question. Like, and there's and there's fewer injuries in hockey, but again, you can attribute that probably to the amount of minutes. Uh, but they have the same exact schedule, travel schedule, days in between. Why is it that those games are more competitive? And then again, it's an obviously a different sport. You're not, you, you know, you're having finals of you know three to two, four to three, whatever, yeah. one to nothing. It's obviously a different sport. But I think it's a really interesting question it that is. I don't know how to answer. And, and I think the hockey games have been very competitive, but obviously in hockey, there's not as much scoring, you know. It's, Correct. Yes. It's like soccer, too, you know, where yeah. every goal is precious, you yes. know, where in the mm-hmm. NBA, obviously, there's a lot more scoring. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually... You know, you put something in our Slack earlier, and I'm sorry to keep delaying getting to the to the conference finals, but it actually kind of has to go along the lines of what Bob was questioning is basically saying, you know, why is the product not great uh, when it gets deeper into the season and deeper into the postseason? Because we had a really solid first round, first round of playoffs. Second round, there were, a, 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 you know, two series, three series that were good. Um, but now we're in the conference finals and the games are lopsided and whatnot. And uh, why don't you go ahead and talk about what you put in our Slack channel from one of your favorite players growing up. Oh, about James Worthy. Yes. So, yeah, because James went on, you know, radio station and anybody ever watches the Lakers, you know, post game show. Um, James is very, very honest. He's brutally honest about everything. And he wears his emotions on his sleeve, you know, talking about the team. I mean, how many times have we seen? memes of him breaking down this year after the Lakers lost again, you know, just with putting, cigar. I, I, I still love the ones with, with the cigar in his hand, the cigar. That's like a, that's a put down on the Celtics a little bit, you know, but, uh, but uh, there was plenty of times where James would put his, uh, his arms, his head between his arms on the desk, you know, and James isn't even somebody that sits behind the desk. He stands up the entire time. Right. But, you know, he was complaining about how today's players only do three things. Get tattoos, tweet, and shoot threes, which is hilarious. And I just said, like, he doesn't hold anything back. Um, like, I, that that's, that's his, you know, kind of the way that he views the game. And it's different from the era that, that he played in, you know. And everybody, there's plenty of people that look at that. Like, hey, go back to even when the Warriors, you know, started you know, with Steph and Clay and shooting a lot of threes. And Charles Barkley was like, man, you're never going to win a championship with a jump shooting team. You're never going to win a championship. And then they win three out of that. four. Yeah, and then they win three <laughs> out of four, you know? And it's just like, even Charles had to come around on that a little bit. He's still a little bit hesitant on it sometimes. But yeah. that this is the way the NBA is. And and the, the way that I look at it, and I, and I get it that people talk about like, oh my God, the amount of threes that people shoot. But at the same time, shooting is a skill. It is. And I love watching that skill in the NBA. Dribbling is a skill. I think rebounding is a skill. Um, all these different things. So I'm not as opposed to it as long as they're good shots. Now, when they're forced, that's another thing. But like when you have a good look, 
And you're actually somebody that has shown that you can hit that shot because I don't want just anybody chucking. But I think watching shooters shoot um, is is fun to watch. I think that there is a way that we can differentiate. We can't lump in all three-point shooting with one category, okay? There's differences yeah. in, in three-point shooting. There's a generated three-point shot created for you. There is a three-point shot that you have off of movement. There is catch-and-shoot threes. There are pull-up There are pull up and shoot threes. Um, you, you can go down the list um, coming off of a, of a back screen and shooting a three. So, like, there are different ways in which you, you shoot threes. Um, so, so that's one thing you can't lump them all in at the same and a uh, pull up three could be better for say CJ McCollum than a catch and shoot three. You know, uh, some people have more rhythm with the ball in their hands and do it on their own. Um, you know, I think that Jason Tatum's great at this because he does the sidestep to the left and it looks really nice and he makes most of them. You obviously know that James Harden for the majority of his career has been an amazing step back three shooter. Some guys don't have that built in their system. Catch and shoot guys, you think about the guys who are positioned in the corners, the P.J. Tuckers, the Dorian Finney-Smiths of the world. Um, you know, those are the guys, the Grant Williams, the guys that they're, they're set up for and catch and shoot those. Uh, there are different ways. There are different ways that these people get their looks. It just depends on who's shooting them. Right, and because the, the NBA you, has gotten more specialized, too, and that there's true. certain guys, they're like, okay, you're only going to play, you know, whatever minutes, but... You're going to be specialized to do one thing. Right. And for yeah. a lot of them, it's that one thing is go stand in the corner and hit those threes at a good rate. Mm -hmm. No. And, you know, I'm not really, you know, the, the biggest fan of, you know, some of these shows. But I, I heard one suggestion the other day is talking about taking the corner three out. Now, I hate if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But if teams continue to funnel it over to the corner, then I, that's something I might actually think about. Well, they've talked um, about like expanding the court, like the width yeah. of the court. The problem yeah. with that is <laughs> then what happens with the pricey seats in the front row? Well, yeah, you need to have to take yourself a little loss there. NBA. Well, <laughs> good luck doing that, <laughs> especially um, with the Stevie. I understand this. You know, they, but, they, they but, talked yeah. about lengthening the quarter, especially like widening the court. You know, I, you know, I get it. From, you know, but I, I like the way that it is right now where, you know, they've even said like, oh, maybe they should make, you know, the three point line back it up a little bit more. I'm like, why? And we've, we've been there. This is now a universal line that they've no. come up with for a while. I'm not saying I'm not always against change. I understand that things evolve, things change and whatnot. But like, I like where the game is at right now. Um, it's part of it is, too. It's just you've got bigger guys that can do more things. I mean, how many times in the past did you see somebody that was six foot eight and taller that could actually dribble penetrate? you know, and, yeah. and do things, or even a guy that could, you know, put a move on somebody starting, you know, 25 feet from the basket. You it is crazy how far, far things have come. They used to have two guys in the post and then you had three people out on the outside. Oh yeah. But, go, watch, go watch Adrian Daly, man, back in the day down in but, the post, do some hard work. But here, but here's my, my, my gripe though. Okay. As much as I do understand, you know, offense and stuff like that. And I'm not trying to get on the old man yells at cloud route, but I, I do cringe every time someone passes up a layup even if it's a little contested to kick it out to the like court. draymond green when he does it either draymond or marcus smart does that oh my oh, god does yeah. marcus smart do that so much and i love marcus smart as a player and i think he's he's gotten so much better but there are so many times where he is point blank and then 
make a difficult pass with your left hand over your shoulder. Luca's even guilty of it sometimes. If you're at if you're within four feet of the basket, dude, just put it up. How many just buckets do you think up. Marcus could get if he drove to the lane and just faked the pass and then took the layup? Oh, yeah, sure. Or a little head fake or something yeah, like that. That's what yeah, that's what I'm saying. Without traveling? No, 100%. But it drives me bonkers. I'm cool with the three-point revolution. I get it. And sometimes you do pass up a great shot, a great, great shot for a better shot, uh, a good shot for a great shot, I should say. Um, but you can't get a more high-percentage look than the closer you get to the rim. I don't care what the hell stats say, man. Like, I... That's the one thing where I agree with some of the guys that talk about like the shooting has gone overboard because it's always like if it's the wrong person taking the shot or if it's that where you're passing up a layup or a fast break on a two on one, you and your teammate two on one. Yeah. One guy instead of no one's one's cutting to the to the basket or they're 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 coming back to the corner. And right. I've seen that happen multiple times. Now, I, I'm not saying that everyone does it. I obviously see two-on-ones where people throw up alley-oops, and that's the way it should be done when you know you have those, those things. And it obviously depends on game situation. I get that. but Too many times you see a guy, instead of trying to cut a lane and just do the old pass drill back and forth until somebody gets a layup, exactly. one of the guys drifts out to the three-point The figure line. eight, man, the figure eight. We all did that playing basketball. We all did that drill. Yeah. But, yeah. That that was just one thing that was on my mind, just because like I, I've seen it multiple times, especially with the Mavs. The Mavs finally, finally, the Mavs got to the damn rim in Game Four uh, because all they had been doing was just chucking and chucking and chucking and chucking, one pass, two pass, maximum. But they finally I'm- got to the rim, and though they shot the ball really well, those those shots were created off of touching the paint. That's that's where I'm at, and again, we'll you know obviously get into that series. But I mean, people want to talk about like the Warriors live and die in the three. I'm like, no, the Mavericks no, do. No, the Warriors play a beautiful brand of basketball, yeah. and it's because Steph Curry's a wizard that everyone thinks that they're three point shooters. They're just strictly three point shooters, and Clay Thompson, you know, like. But pay attention to the process, especially in the half court. Man, it's beautiful. It's it's really gorgeous. You get Draymond Green middle of the floor, um, either executing a dribble handoff or if he fakes a dribble handoff, he'll dribble it out and then he'll hit a pot kit pass to a cutter or you'll have somebody going up for an alley-oop or he'll find the guy in the corner. It's it's like options. If you watch football, you obviously have uh, the read option, right? And you have multiple decisions to make. Do I keep the ball? Do I give it to my running back? In some cases, if there's two back there in the backfield, do I hand it up the middle of the fullback? Do I do a, uh, you know, a receivers in motion? And do I do a reverse to this guy? Because that's the better read. That's essentially what the Warriors do. They have these like plan A, plan B, plan C going on in their minds. And that's why Draymond's such a good player. Um, and they know how to run it, and they are so proficient at it when they're not jackasses and try to get all hunky-dory about it. I agree. I mean, I I love watching the Warriors. I mean, it, not only do they have two of the greatest shooters of all time, but then you add in what Draymond does and some of the other guys, and the way they pass the ball is so special. That That's probably the best skill that I like watching is just the way they pass the ball and their ball movement. Sure. Sure, yeah. Again, don't get hot doggy with it, Steph, okay? You already threw away one title doing that. You're too good. You're too good. Um, But, yeah, 
that that's that's the my favorite part about the Warriors. But I mean, thank you for entertaining that because I it was just on my mind and I'm watching some of these games and I see some guys just turn down layups and it's like, okay, I get that you need your 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 top possession and I don't think that a coach is telling you if you have a wide open layup or if you have a slightly contested layup that you have to throw it out to the top of the perimeter. I can That's only imagine. We should put a camera on all the coaches when they do that. <laughs> Especially when the guy misses the shot, like when they miss the three. And just just from from point of, okay, he's driving, he's got a layup, he passes it out through the corner, and said person then misses that shot. Okay, this is a little bit related to that, but since we're going to get into the Boston-Miami series now, I want to yell at one person. I want to yell at one person in, in particular, and it's because of hesitancy. I have a feeling you know who I'm talking about, and it's one of my favorite players in the league. Bam Adebayo is just afraid to take shots right now. Absolutely afraid, and it's the last thing that the Heat can use because, as we mentioned earlier, Jimmy Butler's got knee inflammation. Tyler Heroes missed the last two games. You need somebody else to put pressure on the rim or else you're screwed because you're going against the best defense in the league since the turn of the new year. And it's just not going to work. You have to attack. Look what Bam did in game three. He was unstoppable in Boston in that game. My God. What the hell happened in game four? What the hell happened in the first half of game five? I don't get why he's all timid. And you can hear Heat fans, both in the stands and on Twitter, are you about, sure you can hear him in the stands? Because I didn't see him in the stands to start the second half of that game. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But no, they're they're close enough to the camera. You can hear the audible noises of. What, oh, the I can hear plenty of things. Up. You know, when that second half started in in game five, because they're really see, active I, on Twitter. They just must I, not go to I, the actual arena. Half the fans in the arena were still out of their seats. Getting hey, drinks my guy or whatever. Kepka was there. I know he was angry. And and I could hear plenty of stuff on the court, uh, or the, the things I heard in the stands were the Celtics fans. And on the court, I I could hear the squeaks and the coaches a little bit more. <laughs> right. But seriously, what is it going to take for Bam to attack? Because when he attacks, it's very very hard to stop him. He is a broad dude. He's got shoulder width. He's got muscle. Grant Williams is smaller, dude. Like, I know Grant is a brick wall and is is built very uniquely. And I know that Robert Williams, my God, by the way, Time Lord, some of the closes he had on some of those three-point shots in the corner, blocking those P.J. Tucker shots. Oh, my God, he's so good defensively. And, yes, he's a huge, a huge X factor. But, bam, you'll see him on some of these dribble handoffs. And when the dribble handoff play doesn't work, he'll get it in the pocket, and then he'll be like, all right, what do I do next? What do I do next? Put your head down. Put your shoulder down. Go and try and draw a foul. Try and pull up that little mid-ranger that you were hitting in the fourth quarter when you scored eight straight. You have to bring that mentality. Dude, you're on the Eastern Conference final stage. You've got to bring that, especially knowing that Jimmy is hurt and Tyler Hero is hurt and Kyle Lowry is hurt. Your whole team is hurt. And Bam came out and said it even himself after game five. Put that on me. So, what's it going to take for this series to come back to Miami? 
it's going to take Bam to have another game three. He's got to be more aggressive, like you said. He has to take the onus on himself. We'll see how Jimmy feels. I think another big factor is, and we'll see if he can do it, can Tyler Hero play? And can he play even close to um, his 100%? Because if he can't play or if he's not close to being full strength, then they're going to have problems offensively because I don't know where they turn to right now because you got to look at Victor Oladipo and Caleb Martin and, and, and Vince and Vincent, and, like you and said, that, Gabe and Vincent. that's not where you want to look because you want your star players to play like star players. And the problem is Bam is being timid. Jimmy's got knee problems. Hero has been hurt. And then Kyle Lowry is old and out of shape and banged up. I mean, he shouldn't be playing. He's got a hamstring. Injury. He's clearly not himself. He's right. Clearly not himself. He hasn't been himself the entire playoffs. And that the hamstring injury has he's out of shape because of it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's thirty-seven. I mean, this is this is like he's watching. trying to give it a go, man. He's, like, he's trying. He's but trying to give it a go. Unfortunately, he's hurting his team, and I'm not blaming him. I'm not blaming Spo necessarily, but like, I I I know that he is a veteran and somebody that you brought in to be like, um like a finishing touch on what you hope to be a championship team. He was brought but, in to be an upgrade for, for Goran Dragic. Absolutely. But you're at a point now where he's hurting the team and you have to have that honest conversation with him saying, Hey, you're, you're not close to hundred percent and we need to go in a different direction. I know you want to play and I appreciate you're trying to gut it through this injury, but he has been awful lately. I mean, he's played in the last three games. He has shot a combined five of 25 including an 0 for 6 in game 5. And don't let Max Struess off the hook either. He's the young one who was just flat out missing shots. He's he was yeah, he it, <laughs> and every, I, don't get me wrong, I, he plays he, good defense. He keeps he, trying. I I he's yeah. like he's he's like okay, the next one's going to go in. The problem was yeah. that did not happen. It just hasn't. Yep, it hasn't. Um but yeah, no, they're they're going to need more. They they're, they're going to need an extra lift from Gabe Vincent. Uh, maybe Duncan Robinson gets going. He hit a few. He hit a few. Maybe. In, the, in game five. You want to talk about somebody that does not know how to close out on threes. Duncan Robinson. He needs to watch some Ralph Williams tapes, maybe. Oh, my gosh. I mean, he's not as tall, obviously, but anytime. He had a one play. Uh-huh. He had one play yesterday when he was in the game, and Marcus Smart was attacking from the corner, and Duncan Robinson was, like, on somebody else, but he was obviously supposed to come for help. He was like three steps behind to try and contest this layup from Marcus Smart. It was just, it's it's common sense when you're what? in help defense to not, you yeah. know, you got to be able to slide your feet and get back. At least try to foul the guy. Well, anytime right. he flies after a guy shooting a three, it seems like every time he fouls him. Yeah. Every time. Sure. But, I mean, forget the defense. I think the defense Yeah, they need fine. offense. They need offense. Forget the defense. If if Duncan can go out there and make four threes, five threes, and then you get, you know, game three, bam. Jimmy just Jimmy just needs to to facilitate and play make. Like With, he doesn't need to shoot. He, like, like he doesn't have to shoot. He just needs to be a threat. You know, like I still think they can do it. I think a lot of people are, are counting them out. Because of Jimmy, and I get that. Um, well, Hero's such a difference yeah. maker. I mean, you look at these last two games that they've lost. They haven't gotten out of the 80s. I mean, no. they scored 82 in game four and, and 80 in game five. Yeah. And it's not just all Hero, but, I mean, he's been missing in both of those games. 
And he just adds another dimension when it comes to a playmaker or a guy that like when they are getting down and like, okay, we, we haven't hit a bucket in a little while. Who's going to be somebody who can get us a bucket. They've, de- they've depended on Tyler and they've done that all year. They have, they, they, they've prepared for this too. That's what's also disappointing because they've played without bam. They've played without Jimmy. They know how to play. They have, but now when you've got hero is out, Kyle is compromised. Butler, yeah. Jimmy can't jump. His knees are gone. They are. They're gone. I, I, I literally like. I think it was halfway through, through, through Wednesday's game where I texted my buddy. I'm like, okay, Jimmy's knees are shot, and Bam is afraid right now. And I'm like, yeah, it's probably not good. I mean, for you. it's not impossible for the Heat to win this game, Game Six, but it's going to be incredibly yeah. very tough. tough. Very it's going to be incredibly tough. And I mean, it's. To me, I mean, if you know, it, it has felt like Boston has taken control of this series as it's gone on, but and and, and I quarter. and I give them That's all the credit in the world, quarter. but injuries are a factor into this, and I'm, oh yeah, I'm, I don't want to take away from Boston because of that because it happens no, to everybody, and and they've gone through injuries too. I mean, Marcus Smart is obviously not 100. percent Rob Williams looks like he's fine, and he plays hard, and then next thing you know, they say he's not playing in the next game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, they, they've had their issues as well to go through. It's just, sure. they've been able to, you know, persevere through this more. And it helps when you've got offensive weapons like Jason Tatum and, and Jason Brown. Dude, uh, talk about uh, Jalen Brown. I mean, he could not have had a worse start to this game. I thought he mm-hmm. showed a lot of, Im- I thought he showed a lot of maturity in that second half, um, to come out the way he did. Um, especially, you know, coming out. You've got six points and four turnovers in the first half. And three of those turnovers came in the first quarter. The dribbling was not great. And I know that's something that Boston talks about a lot is the way his handle is. Tell you what, second half could not have gone much more better. Um, And he was in attack mode. He didn't play with his food, man. As soon as he touched the ball, he was making a decision. All right, am I attacking? All right, am I shooting? What am I doing to ensure that this is a good offensive possession? Capped off by that just thunderous dunk down the middle of the lane in the fourth quarter. Um, and, and that was curtains. I mean, we could talk about Jason Tate. Jason Tate has been very, very consistent um, and able to make plays for others. He's able to crash the boards. Obviously, we know he's a good scorer, but like he didn't have his greatest game. Game no, five. He but he had a great game in game four. Like, he rebounded. He had nine assists. But that's good, though. That shows that that team has something, you know, more than Jason Tatum. You know, like, that. that's a good thing. Like, Al Horford, we need to talk about how good he's been for this team all playoffs, man. It's not, you know, Mark Jackson likened it to the impact that Draymond Green has, right? But here's the difference. Al Horford can shoot, and he can... Um, you know, Paz, he might not be as amazing of a defender as, as Draymond is, but offensively you get more from Al Horford. Um, and give a lot of credit to Derek white for what he's been able to do because you know, sure. it wasn't too long ago where he looked a little iffy out there in the court, but man, this, this series, he's really coming to his own. And this is why they made the move. Derek white came out, had the come out party and, and see in, in the second series, he had a, not a, an awful series against Brooklyn. And then, you know, semifinals comes around and you know he looks good against the bucks um and then he goes you know 
has a terrible start to this series in the first two games. Goes and has a kid, a la Fred Van Vliet a few years ago. Comes out, and he's he's doing well, man. And he's playing great defense, setting up teammates, playing within himself. That's what Derek White's been doing. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm happy for him. Uh, I interviewed him, honestly, um, this time last year, now that I think about it, which is crazy. Um, really, really good kid. Kind of reserved. Um but he is uh, extremely polite, and he's a talented, talented player, and he's one of the best defenders that they have on that team, and he's honestly one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA, if we're being quite honest. So huge impact, huge move from Brad Stevens to get him at the deadline. It's paying dividends. They have a great backup point guard, and we know that Marcus Smart, like you said, has been banged up. He was out for game one and then you know out again in game four. And uh, Derek White stepped up to the plate because of that. And, uh, it, you know, it, it's paid off for him. So good for Derek and good for the Celtics. And now they're, you know, just one step away from making it to the NBA Finals. And, I mean, we've said this before. You go back a couple months, you would have never thought that the Celtics could turn around their season to this point. You know, they were, you know, a 500 team that looked like they might even be in the playing tournament. And... They found something and they turned it around. And this is why you never it. give up hope, fans. You never give up hope at any time of the season until that, until that elimination X is by your name. Never give up hope, man. Like it's crazy. the 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 eventual NBA champions could have been under five hundred at one point. Yeah, by a number of games. Just think about that. Think yeah, about play through that. the season. Yeah, yeah. Got to play it through. Got to let it grow. Got to let it organically happen. And I believe we were on this show during that time, by the way, talking about how asinine it was for people to talk about splitting up Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I will say that. I think I, that I said don't do it yet, but I was getting, I was coming around to the there? idea a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. You were getting there? But I wasn't there yet. I, was just I like, didn't fall for that. I, yeah. I, I hope, I, I think we can go back in yeah, the I don't archives. think you did. Yeah, you were a little bit more adamant about it, but I was, I was getting to a point where I was like, mm, not yet, but I'm, I'm starting to come around. They need a point guard. Yeah. Well, I mean, look what happened. Marcus Smart like started playing better at the point, he and, and he, you know, embraced that role. They go get Derek White, uh, Robert Tate, Williams Tatum's came also on. The, the and Tatum movie, you know? took about two steps forward in his progress. Horford, let's talk about Horford as a yep. playmaker. I the mean, old, the old man started uh, looking uh, about ten years younger. My God, has he looked good in the postseason, man? Yeah. He's looked really good in the postseason. Why but. do you leave him when he's over there shooting that corner three? Why? <laughs> because you got to put two to the ball on Jason. And then what do you, I mean, someone's going to be open and that's why Jalen Brown was so deadly too. And because when he's making quick decisions, he's in a good place. Yeah. That's, that is, is the, uh, the kicker there. Game six coming up on uh Friday night. Is the series over, Brian? Do you think it's, it's cooked because of those injuries? It's over. Okay. He says it's over. It is over. Um, being in Boston, that crowd, what's on the line, where the how this team is playing right now. Um, hey, Miami is a gritty team, and I give them credit for getting to this point, but um, there's just too many things for them to overcome, I think, to, to win this game. 
And I and I would hope that after the Bucks series and what they've gone through in this series, I think the Celtics have kind of learned their lesson about leaving the door open. That that's a really good point. Uh, you know, learning throughout this this postseason experience, knowing what happened the last game five they had with bought with with Milwaukee and how that one got away. We obviously remember when Drew Holiday took the ball away from Marcus Smart. Smart had some really difficult plays there down the stretch that hurt the team. I think I have to agree with you. I think they closed it out as well in Boston. So uh, that would mean that the Celtics are going to reach the NBA Finals first time since, what, 2010? Sounds right. 2010? They lost to... All uh, the way back in 2010. Way back in 2010. Yeah. When uh, Meta World Peace hit the... No, no, no. What a great three. (laughs) (laughs) Moment of silence for the champions. Mm-hmm. All you 2K fans will get that reference. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the other series, the game that we're going to, I guess it's not really we're going to preview the game, but if the series is still ongoing, uh, we won't know because, again, we're recording this on a Thursday uh, late afternoon. Why don't you ask the same question as we go into game five, heading back to San Fran, the Warriors on their home court up 3-1. Is this series over? <sighs> Okay, it depends on... Oh, he's hedging. I kind of am, because I I still think the Warriors win in six. So they go back to Dallas and close it. But there's something about Luka in these closeout games that just gives me pause. You know what I'm saying? Like, and... I don't think that Reggie Bullock's going to have a game three type performance again, because that was really bad. Like... His game three was abysmal. It was horrific. Oh, my goodness. Like, he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Uh, It depends on their... Like, I hate saying it depends on their role players because it's so obvious, but it really does. Are they making their shots? Can they carry over the momentum they had for making 20 out of 43 threes? Can they do that? I think they can. They showed they couldn't in game two. Game two... You know, call me crazy, but game two, they don't let that slip away. This is a tied series. Like, game two, that should have been theirs. That was one you could not afford let slip. But they did. So, this is why they're in the position they're in. They got the back against the wall. Hardest thing to do is close the game out or close the series out. That's all. That's all it is, man. And I think that's where that kind of championship mentality, been there, gone through it has really helped the Warriors, the games that have been closer. And they closed the game, too, on a good run. Yes, they've been able to close out these games, and that's why I think the series is over, game five. And and going into game four, I kind of wondered about that one because I was like, "Eh, I think, you know, Dallas sweep. Yeah, you know, Dallas is good enough on their home court, and, you know, are the Warriors really going to be up for this one? Because we say what you will about the way being able to close out some games, but they've definitely had some... uh, some lapses, shall we say, you know, in some games. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't, I wasn't sure they're going to be able to close it out there, but going back home and I, and I think they kind of like too, like, Hey, let's get this one over with. There's no point in letting this drag on any further, get our rest and get ready for the finals. Yeah. Get a few days. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I Everybody think- gets a few days. Remember the finals do not begin until Thursday, June 2nd. That's crazy. Wow. Lots of time for me to golf. Exactly. 
Lots of times for me to to resume my my binging of of Marvel shows. Well, perfect. Well, Obi Wan comes out on Friday too. The first two episodes. There I'm just saying. So, right. but but I mean, you look at this. I mean, the series could be over. You know, between by Friday night, we could have the matchup for the NBA Finals. Sure. And then you so know, so we're already going to preview Warriors and yeah, Celtics. we can. I we why not? You know, I'll jinx that. But um, Oof. but I mean, you, you these teams could be looking at like each having close to a week off. It's a long time. That is, yeah. I mean, there's good and bad for that, but I mean, especially if talk they both about have opposite the same ends of the the country. By the way, those yeah. are going to be oh the travel. You, whew, that's going to be tough. Do you know what the schedule is? They've got to have, what, three days in between each game, two days in between each game? I have the schedule right in front of me. It's games one and two. Yeah, game one is on June 2nd. Okay. Game two is until June 5th, so they get an extra day off. Sunday. Then you get an extra day off again for game three is June 8th, which is a Wednesday. Game four is June 10th, so only one day off in between. June 13th is the game uh, five necessary. You get the extra day off. You get an extra day off if you need a game six because that's June 16th. And then you get an extra day off again if you need a game seven, which is June 19th. So only Father's Day in the U.S. Open. It always happens on the same day. There you go. So there's only one period where there's only one day off between games, and that's between games three and four in Boston, which would be, if this matchup happens, it would be be in Boston. Correct, the Warriors would have home court? Uh, I think it what goes do I by have to record. It, it goes it by does. record, correct? So, yes, they would. Yeah. yeah. Because if it didn't go by record, then it would be in Golden State. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Okay. No, yeah, that uh, that is going to be... If you're a basketball fan and, and, and like good execution, that's going to be the series for you. I know there's a lot of people that don't like Boston and a lot of people that don't like Golden State. <laughs> but oh well. it's going to be it's going to be good basket it should be good basketball. I like think that's so. that's all I'm saying. The only the only thing is, I mean, I get why they do the extra day off and it's probably good for the players. But as a consumer, it kills me sometimes to have to wait that extra day for a game. <sighs> you know, I'm just like I want to see another game. But, I'm just waiting. For, I'm just waiting for the first uh, scrap up between Marcus Smart and Draymond. That ooh. that's going to be entertaining, right there. That Do we know how many technicals each have going into that? If you know, you know, make sure they aren't in too much trouble of uh, getting suspended for having too many techs. I think. I think they're both good. I think they're both good. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, hell of a matchup. I'm. I mean. We obviously get more in depth when if know, it happens, but, but we I feel pretty good about it at this point because the Warriors, I mean, they were up three oh. I mean, that means they got four cracks at closing this out. And I think they're too good to not. It's you know, you look at this too. It's just the progress of what this Warriors team has gone through because I had dips in the season where I thought like, hey, I think the Warriors are doing, you know, they're kind of back, but at the same time, like they still need one more year and maybe one more player. And look at what they've done here in the postseason. I mean, Wiggins has started playing like he did in the first half again. Oh, kudos to him, man. You know? What I've been talking about all postseason long, Brian, I said he's been an offensive rebounding fiend, and he's doing what he's being told on the defensive end. 
And finally, uh, I think it was game four or game three where he just had outstanding offensive performance, um, hit a couple of dagger shots, baptized Luca on his head. Uh, it was game three. Um, just a tremendous, tremendous um, series for him, honestly. Um, and, you know, people kept bashing him, kept bashing him, saying, oh, this is your all-star, blah, blah, blah. And he's come out and, and done the right things. I think we also have to give big ups to Kevon Looney the way prior to Game 4, the way that he has impacted the series, um, being able to collect everything off the glass. Um, but offensively, also put in some points and, you know, really finish off of his his teammates' uh, creation. So big kudos for him. I mean, setting great screens too, by the way. Um, but he's been huge too. He's been awesome. And, you know, I think one of the interesting things too that we've seen for Golden State is in two different rounds, there are two different rookies have played because we thought, Saw Kaminga in the last round play. He hasn't really played much in this round, but but Moody has. Yeah, and Moody has played well. You know, in the, I mean, they're not they're not attacking him too much on minutes, but that's kind of been an interesting thing. And obviously, you know, Moses George- and Kaminga uh, were the ones that brought him back in Game Four. Almost, yeah, almost did make it a sweep. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, especially Kaminga. But I mean, you know, the way that Poole has played this year, you know, he, he hasn't played his best, I think, in this round, but it's been good enough. And, and the, here's the thing I would say about the Warriors in that we're seeing, like, in the East, it's it's kind of these, you know, these haymakers being thrown in these games. It's like, it's not just trying to win, it's trying to survive. But in the West, I feel like the Warriors have improved every round. And I don't think we've seen their best basketball yet. Like when they're really focused, when they're really swinging the ball, but they're not being careless with it, which we see happen way too many times with the Warriors. But when they are really focused and on point, um, we've seen glimpses of this. We've seen it in different portions of games. But I want to see where they put it together for, you know, two or three games straight. Yeah, no, I think so too. And the haymaker thing, I mean, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. But... It's crazy how big of a pendulum it is, you know? Like, there are... The Miami series in particular, just these these outrageous, outrageous runs in quarters. Like, you look at Game 3 when Miami came out and had a 21-point lead after Game 3. You look at Boston getting out to a 19-to-1 start in Game 4. You look at the third quarter they had in Game 5, 32-to-16. What was the run that Boston blew their doors off in in game one? Like, I mean, that that run that the Celtics went on, you know, so to begin the second half of game five, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe the Celtics went on an 8 0 run and, you know, took a lead. But to end the quarter, I think they went on, what was it, like a 22 2 run, something like that? Yes. It was was something stupid. It was something ridiculous. Like, I. Is it all the three-pointers? Like, I'm trying to get to the bottom of why it's gone this way. Well, I just I just think Miami has trouble generating offense. Yeah? You think so? I think that's the biggest problem. Okay. And, I mean, we, we, we mentioned this before, too, but just you look at that team, and they need a lot of things going their way to, to really kind of hit their groove on offense. And with all of the injuries and 
missing guys and whatnot. And then they're just not shooting well as well. And Max Struess is not hitting shots. Uh, that really hurts. It does. I, and I think he will hit shots on Friday, by the way. I don't think, you know, shooters go through slumps, but I don't think, you know, that he is going to go over, over, over. Like, that. that's hard to do. That's hard to do. So, uh, we'll see on that front. But, hey, I mean, we're, like, right around the corner from the finals. How crazy is that, man? Like, it's literally going to be June the next time that this this podcast goes out. I know you're going to be gone, but that's just wild to me. I will be here, so I am going to be going on a big trip that has been planned a couple years in the making kind of a thing. But, but I'm doing the podcast next week to preview the NBA fun. Oh, okay. There we go. I don't leave until um, June 8th. So I don't leave, or June 9th. So, I mean, I'm here for the first three games. All right. All righty, all righty, all righty. And then I'm going to have to watch the games in the middle of the night in another country. <laughs> hey, that could be interesting, though. Mm-hmm. That My wife is saying, well, I'm trying to get some sleep. What are you doing? I'm like, well, it's, I know that it's, <laughs> but, 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 but. it's two o'clock in the morning here, but I got to watch the NBA finals. I guess it depends on where in, you know, the Bay, you have some West Coast time games. You have some well, East Coast time Don't games. all the games start? Like, is it 8.30 or what 9 o'clock? Was it like o'clock? 9 or something? Yeah, yeah East Coast time. So, I mean, it's yeah. either way where I'm going to be, it's going to be like 2 o'clock in the morning. Definitely not Central time. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm, man, I'd i love to have some Central time. I mean, my, as a sports fan, I would live to live on, would love to live on the West Coast just for games alone, like starting times and whatnot. I mean, it'd be fantastic. But, um, I mean, all the games would be done by 10 o'clock at night. Right. Uh, you know, or even like for the NFL. Hey, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. Guess what? The first slate of games are coming on. Um, but uh, even Central would help. But man, be on the East Coast. And you know this, like so many others, man, staying up to one o'clock in the morning, watching games. It, it takes a lot out of you, Bri. It, it takes does. a lot out Especially of you. when you have to write about that stuff, too, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, real quick before we get out of here. Um, how about those Orlando Magic winning the NBA lottery? How about it? Yeah, congratulations. I know you're a big time Magic fan, obviously being I lived Orlando in Orlando for a long time. I, I have nothing against the, the Magic. No, I know. That's why I'm saying congrats. That's a good thing. Good for mm-hmm. them, man. They, and they've done it the right way. I think going out and getting Jabal Mosley to start this thing out. Uh, you bring in Franz Wagner, you have Jalen Suggs there, you know, Cole Anthony from two years beforehand. Um, I, I think that, you know, you, you bring in Wendell Carter when you do the reset, sending out uh, Nikola Vucevic. I think they've done this a good way. So they, yeah. they're going to get a really good talent there at number one. Rather, well, it is Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren or Paolo Bancaro or even perhaps Jaden Ivey. Who knows? Without diving into this too much, because we're going to do that, obviously, as we get closer to the draft. But as you sit here, you know, weeks out from the draft, who do you think the Magic should take and who do you think they will take? I think they should take Paolo Bancaro. Ooh. I think they should take Paolo Bancaro. Um, you know, he's built. He is almost your point forward type. I think you could play him at the three. You know, he's 6'10", 250. Probably play him at the four, but we know, as we know, the Magic don't care about size or position. They're the, going to just throw out a bunch of guys. Oh, like they the love Toronto size. Model. They love no. size. They love wingspan. It's, it's, almost, it's almost like the Toronto model, right? You have a bunch of 6'8", six, 6'9", six, guys out there. 
Yeah. Put Paolo out there. You know why I like Paolo? Paolo can create his own shot. That's something I don't know anyone on the Magic can do. He can create his own shot. He can create for others. And he's an assassin in the mid-range. And he's able to, to get to the paint. And he's big. I like him a lot. So who do you think they will take? Who they will take. So just talking to Alex, it seems like Jeff Weltman's type is Chet Holmgren. Mm. That's because obviously he's got limbs that go from end to end. What's he got, a seven-foot-four wingspan, something like that? It's something ridiculous like that. He can block shots, you know, shoot the basketball. He's a very interesting type because he's seven-foot, but he's under 200 pounds. He almost weighs as much as I do, and I'm (laughs) six-foot. I'm of the belief that the Magic should take Jabari Smith. If they take Chet, and I hope Chet has a wonderful career, and I hope that I'm dead wrong, I am not a big fan of Chet when it comes to the NBA. Just And the biggest part is the weight. Because I know that there are plenty of players that come in and they are thin, and they need to put on weight, and we see them do things. But he is just so thin for his size. I mean... And yeah, you can say, well, look at Kevin Garnett, or um, well, Kevin Garnett's one, but Kevin Durant is really kind of the poster child of this. Sure. But you look at that, that's, you're talking totally different realm because of the way that he could shoot and create shots and everything like that. And I don't think Chet is that kind of a gifted player offensively. Now, like I said, he could do a lot of great things defensively, how, you know, with that wingspan, how well he moves his feet and, and you know, whatnot. But I think it's a little bit of a risk. And I just like the talent that Jabari Smith has, his commitment to the game and everything goes into it and what we've seen already and the player I think he can grow into. So he's very, very raw, but yes, he's 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 really long. He can shoot the basketball. He gets that kind of baby KD feel to him. Um when you look at the film. Um admittedly, I am not huge uh in knowing Draft prospects. Like, I'm just going to tell you that right off the bat. You know who is? It's Matt Babcock. It's Derek Murray. It's Blake Hairston. And they have 22 NBA mock draft page for you on basketballnews.com. So make sure you check that out. Currently, his top three are Jabari Smith going to the Magic, Paolo Bancaro going to the Thunder at two, and Chet Holmgren going at three to the Houston Rockets. But he's got an entire mock draft for everybody to check out. So make sure you do that. Derek did an excellent job covering the Combine. He got Q&As with a bunch of guys, Ryan Rollins of Toledo, Keon Ellis from Alabama. Uh, We've got coverage from the Combine as far as the scrimmages went, as far as the anthro testing and the agility testing. That's all on the draft page. So, again, make sure to check that out. Check out our amazing free agency page, by the way. Alex Kennedy, Tommy Beer, and crew, what a job they did. (laughs) And shout out to Larry Kuhn, by the way, um, CBA expert and aficionado uh, for helping us out and giving us the definitions of terms. Guys, we have a glossary, a free agency glossary on basketballnews.com. But we also have our free agent rankings. I'm not a big fan of rankings, but uh, you will see the top available free agents. We already had an interesting conversation in our Slack about the ranking. I hate rankings. I do, it too. It does no good. It does no good for anybody. It does it. no good to put James Harden number two. Oh, <laughs> here we go. See, he's already sparking debate, guys. Sparking debate. 
<laughs> but on that free agency page, you can find that basketballnews.com. Click a guy, read his profile, articles attached to his name, latest news, rumors, speculation, all that good stuff. So, dude, we have a draft page that's got you all set. We've got a free agency page that got you all set. And on top of that, we got film breakdown. Nikias Duncan, Mark Schindler, Matt Issa all do a tremendous job. Brian Fonseca, myself. I added, I did, I, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to plug myself. Brian, first article, first interview since All-Star Weekend with Luke Kennard. Talked to Isaiah Brockington, Iowa State prospect. He went to three different schools, man. He went to St. Bonaventure, Penn State, and uh, finished his career out at Iowa State. Fun fact, the Iowa State team he joined had two wins. They won 22 games this year, Brian, and finished in the Sweet 16. And somehow this kid wasn't invited to the Combine. So um, he's trying to prove everybody wrong, and that's exactly what I wrote about. A really good kid, uh, a rock-solid um, prospect, by the way, uh, you know, bigger guard. He's bulky. Um, your Lakers actually have interest in him, um, as do 15 other teams. So he's making a lot of noise pre-draft. So we'll see where Isaiah Brockton goes. But you can read that article on basketballnews.com uh, as well. So, uh, yeah, with that spiel, just telling you that basketballnews.com's got you covered on all angles of the offseason. And so... I think that's a good way to wrap it up here for us at Keeping It at 94, which is also a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. <laughs> There's more, guys. There's more. Other great ones for you to listen to. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, rate, review all of these. The Dunker Spot you may have heard of. It's with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. That comes out every Tuesday. The Alex Kennedy Podcast with Alex Kennedy. The rematch with the Tom Thomas dishes and dines with the ladies, the Rex Chapman show with Rex Chapman and Josh Hopkins. And of course you got, he's here right here. Our boys, your boys. I guess we're all boys. <laughs> Keep it at 94 Apple podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Give us a like comment, rate review, do all the good stuff. Hit us on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at spin Davies. He's on Twitter at Brian Fritz. You want to find us on Instagram? I'm on Instagram at Spin Davies. He's on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Talk to us. Engage with us. We implore you. But until next episode, and we find out who's going to be in the finals, we will talk to you later. Later.